0: Yesterday We presented a shift of understanding in terms of how success should be measured in the realm of Torah study And we based ourselves on the interpretation of a mission empirical obvious the last mission in the second Peric, Which discusses the study of Torah but phrases phrases it in a very very abstruse fashion so I'd like to call on you just to maybe read through the text again in order to jolt our memories and then to go through the process that we began yesterday and take it to its next stage we're talking about Rebbe Tarafon and Who are you, Rabbi Tarafan used to. This used to be something that he used to repeatedly say. It was a. Who are your Means, Alex, that it was something that he said repeatedly. It wasn't just something he said once off. It was a, one of his principles that he's lived his life in accordance with. And he said the following thing: It is not on you to finish a job. But you can't discard your responsibility in regard to it if you've learned a lot of Torah you'll get much reward and your master your your boss will pay you for your efforts and you should know that the reward of Tzadikim is in the world to come So yesterday we started off by asking a question in terms of the relationship between the beginning of the Mishnah to the latter parts. The Mishnah was subdivided up into four categories. The first part of the Mishnah says, you don't have to finish your work, but you can't discard your obligation. We don't know what the work is, it's left ambiguous, it's left ill-defined. The next part of the Mishnah, all three parts, seemingly address the issue of the study of Torah. If you've learnt a lot of Torah, you'll get lots of reward. Who will pay your reward? Your faithful boss. When will their reward come? It's in the world to come. All revolving around Torah. We ask ourselves, so what's the first part of the Mishnah talking about? And Rabbeinu Yonah Yona answers. And he said the first part of the Mishnah is also talking about. He's also talking about the study of Torah. And what does it mean that you don't have to finish the job? It means that you look around at the vastness of Torah and the incredible scope and spectrum and depth and volume and you say to yourself, not a chance. There's no way I can possibly ever cover that amount of material or ever study the Torah. And therefore the next conclusion you may come to is I'm struck with an impossible goal. I have been asked to perform a task which is not within my reach to perform. It's not on you to finish the job. So you think, aha! So now the Mishnah almost, the Mishnah goes along with you and dances with you through the internal dialogue that you have. So you say, aha! So I don't have to finish it. Well, if I don't have to finish it, that means I can slack off. And maybe I'll just get by with learning an hour a day. To that, the Mishnah counters that thought and says, And don't think you can discard your responsibility. So those are the two sides of the coin. On the one hand, if it's so much, it's so vast, I can't learn this all and I have to learn everything. Don't worry, you don't have to finish the job. Uh Aha, I don't have to finish the job, so therefore I can just get away with the minimum. You have to learn everything. So those two conflicting states is where a person vacillates, oscillates between. You following me? That's what the Rabbeinu Yonah is Mahadesh. What we said in terms of bringing out the Chidush is that the Rabbeinu Yona completely shifts our entire perspective of the definition of success. We are accustomed to thinking that success. Is an achievement which is measurable and quantifiable and therefore if I run a race and I lose the race I failed if I enter into a business proposition and no money has been made could be the best product in the world I have failed if I enter into a relationship and a friendship does not form I have failed we are used to processing all aspects of our life in terms of results and results mean success and lack of results means failure comes along the Rebbeinu Yeun in his explanation of this Mishnah and he says that is a mistaken notion, do not fall into that trap when it comes to the study of Torah it's not the results which are significant it is the process that is significant, it doesn't make a difference if you get to the end or not if we could compare it to running a race as a good chi runner always will and the truth is you don't have to make this perspective limited to the study of Torah if a person knows how to run properly, the true runners relate to running in this way as well it's not about winning the race it's about having a good jog you may win the race, you may not but that's not the point the process is the goal because if within the process your form was good, your breath was well controlled, your posture was tilted to allow the strength of your core muscles to drive you and not to do it in a silly western way of using muscular strength but to use the Chi force behind you. So if all that's true, so then the process itself becomes invigorating and inspiring. You win the race, you don't win the race, irrelevant. The process is valuable. Similarly with the study of Torah, if you sat there and you strove to understand and you came out of no understanding, but you're involved in engaging and trying to fathom and you couldn't even translate the words, right? It doesn't make a difference. That process has ultimate value. The process is crucial. But, don't therefore think that the process is Cheap, and that you don't have to engage in it constantly. That's how the the rabbi anticipates the next pitfall of this perspective. You say, "Oh, so therefore it's not result orientated." So that, the truth is, I could I could just spend the rest of my life process wise and studying the first three lines of this mishnah. So if there's no push, if there's no motivation to go beyond what I'm studying, so then I'll start to slack off, because I'll say, well, if I'm going to spend the next few years of my life just on these two lines of the Mishnah, I don't have to invest much time in it. So the process, of course, is crucial. But it's a valuable process, and you should try to engage in it as much as possible. And therefore, don't That is the dialogue of self which is mirrored in the two first statements of the Mishnah. Are you all following me? It's a major departure from the normative way of Western thinking worlds. It's a way of understanding that when we're sitting in Yeshiva and frustration occurs, the frustration is based on the wrong paradigm. If you're trying your hardest, enjoy the moment. Live for the moment and don't worry about the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is the moment. The result is to be engaged to the fullest extent. And that's all you need to do. Continues the Mishnah with its next line and it says, So this seemingly contradicts what we said above. If the process is of ultimate value, so, if you have two people who are equally engaged in the process at the same time and both devote themselves fully to its occupation, so then I would say there's no qualitative difference between the one that learns enormous amounts and the one that learns very little. I would think that because, after all, it's process, not result based. You following me, Abshalom? Scott? Oleg? Kelman? Comes along the Rabbi Yana, comes along Rabbi Tarfin, and he says, You're right, but you're wrong. Even though the process is crucial, but there is a qualitative difference, there is a hierarchy, there is a gain knowledge base improving as a person moves forward it is significant it's not the yardstick but it does make a difference it's not the yardstick but it does make a difference another paradox we're dealing with paradox upon paradox upon paradox the one paradox is you have to learn it all you can't you don't have to learn it all so I have to learn nothing no you can't you have to learn it all so you have to learn it all learn nothing it's not results but and the next thing is well if I just have to be Involved in the process, it doesn't really make difference. When well, I, I involve myself in the process. No, no. If you learn a lot, you'll get a lot of reward. If you learn little, you won't get as much reward. Another <laughs> paradox. And then the Mishnah goes on and says. So, what can happen at this point in time in the internal dialogue? Is you can become disillusioned. You can lose emuna in the effect of what your Torah is doing. And you can say, hmm, I don't trust that there's any concrete results to my Torah learning. because what will happen is you'll say I've been learning and I've learned a lot but I know the first few pages of Baba Bastra off by heart understand the depth of the traces. I can switch between traces understanding Rashi's understanding and the depth behind why they understand the way they do what does it do for me? what does it do for me? So now I know what's going to happen if the joint wall that we erected between us falls down and who the stones go to. Shkoyach. How often will that happen in my life? Possibly, probably, never. Probably never. And even if it does, I'm not going to know the nuances of what to do and I'm going to go ask my local orthodox rabbi and he's going to tell me what I should do. Why? What's the result? Again, the reward is always the measurement of the value of what you've done when a person goes and he's a highly qualified individual he's a qualified what's the difference between Yankel going over to you and saying listen I think you're focusing too hard on your particular areas of study or Shimmel who's a social worker saying it or Rachel who's a psychiatrist and they all say the same thing Yankel's free, Shimmels 200 shekels an hour, and Rachel's 600 shekels an hour. Because the reward indicates the value of the engagement. So what happens is, the way we say in the Mishnah, believe that you'll be paid for what you're doing, is another way of saying, what you're doing is valuable, but you may lose that sense of value because when you're involved in the study of Torah the value is not tangibly felt it's not something that you can you can measure in terms of the normal yardstick of measurements that we need to apply to the world that we're in so hence I would think gosh I've been learning all these months and what I have to show for it a few Blat and Bobibassa. what's it worth? what's it worth? NO! know that every word is priceless and every second is infinitely great. And then we get on to the final statement of the Mishnah, Veda, and you should know, Matan Schorin Shel Tzaddikin Asi that the reward of the righteous is in the world to come. What's Pshat? Because if you understand the difference between this world and the next, then you'll understand what the Tana is saying since the reward is so great there is nothing physical which can contain it it's not telling me that the time allotment for the reception of that reward is in in another place it's not just locating it it's describing the quality imagine how much would you pay Fenton. how much would you pay or how much would you ask for an hour of your A $100, $200, $1,000 how much $1,000 $10,000 $100,000 how much is it worth how much is it worth how much is it worth if I could right, it's us bargain I want to buy your tarot from you I want to buy your tarot that means you give it to me and you don't have it How much can I pay for it? A billion dollar. Come on, just morning sailor. Come on, you're learning that hard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Something which has true value by giving it any price tag, you're cheating it. So the Tani is saying that I want to orientate you in your course through life. And now we come on to the final Kiddush in the Mishnah. When the Mishnah begins and it says "Who are your am The task, the job, you don't have to finish it. And why doesn't he say The study of Torah, you don't have to finish it. Why does he use the term job? I believe what the Tani is teaching me is something which is fundamental. He's saying, quite categorically, that every single Jewish male has one job in the world every single Jewish male has one job in the world and every Jewish male has a singular purpose and that job and that purpose is the study of Torah Scott Silver the study of Torah is the only job that was ever given to every single member of the Jewish people from time immemorial until this very day if that would not be true, then how could the Tanach state categorically, It's not on you the job to finish. but you can't relinquish it. And how can we explain that means you don't have to feel that unless you learn the entire Torah, you haven't done your, You don't have to feel that that's the job. You have to. get the results. You have to be engaged in the process. But what's the process you should be engaged in? The study of Torah. Why doesn't the Mishnah say, means mitzvahs, means chesed, means tefillah. Now, as I said those words, Berkowitz, I felt the negative energy that you shot towards me and I know what happened in your mind at that point in time you said here we go it's the old Haredi rant that everyone's meant to be in full time learning for the rest of their lives I'm in deep opposition to the Karel system and why do these rabbis say this repeatedly this all went uh, this is what was going through in his mind um, so when I heard you saying those thoughts in your mind uh, the way I responded and the the, the, w- the reason why I set it up that way was precisely to do that to you I want it to stimulate that part of self in you and Adam Solomon's as well. It's just that, from an Australian perspective, when those thoughts arise, they don't have any outward manifestation because to require effort. <laughs> um, it's all good. So, of course, of course. There's no intention, I have no intention to start dictating people's life plans and purposes or to give you advice on career options and neither does Robbie Typhon He's not telling you what you should do with your life Every person has got a job to do in the world Every single person We all have a purpose, the purpose is the study of Torah but that doesn't mean that you have to sit and learn the entire rest of your life Of course not On the contrary There's an incredible, incredible danger that Rabbi Avram Grazinski points out in a person who is single-mindedly devoted to the study of Torah for the rest of his life. And he, this is a situation he, pre- he presents from a very practical perspective. Perhaps we will derive a principle from what he says. But let's just have a, a brief break, just for kind of, maybe a little bit of mental bonding to make sure that everyone is present in the room in a deeper sense of the words. How are we going there, boys? Yeah? Hello? Hello? Ooh. All present And accounted for Continue Rabbi Shroesulanta, the great Musa giant Instructed his pupils in the following way He said, do you know what you can do? It's possible for you I don't know how they did this It's possible for you to be able to think about a Torah concept Understanding the intricacies of Tosi's, And conduct a conversation and deal with another person at the same time and therefore he says I'll teach you how to do it and that way you can actually go go about life and never distract yourself from your learning that's crazy that's crazy he did this the following point if you don't know you're my Drager if you don't know you're a Drager and you think you can do that and you can't you will be making a big hash up of your life Because when I'm talking to you, Scott, and if I can't focus on you and think about Torah at the same time, and I start thinking about the Torah at your expense, I've now done the worst possible thing. I've invalidated my Torah study. How so? This is going to take a little bit of... Attention, if I can hold your attention for a while, it's something which should not, should not be an unfamiliar idea. There's a principle in Torah. The principle in Torah is that if there's a mitzvah which is impossible to kept by, be kept by someone else, you are obligated to stop learning to keep it. Mitzvah, al la'sois, alyadea chayrim, mavatnin tommutteri la'sois. Agreed? you all wear of the principle? That means if there's a funeral that needs to be attended, a wedding which needs people to dance at it, a person that needs a friendly handshake and a smile, a poor person that needs money to sustain, sustain himself, whatever it is, a friend that needs to sit out and have a smoke, assuming he holds his mutter, on the porch. In all those scenarios, in all those scenarios, you are obligated, required, forced, compelled to stop learning. And if you don't, what happens? It's quite simple. Torah is given on uh, the condition of its fulfillment. It's on the condition you keep it. If a person learns Torah and doesn't keep the statutes that he learns, his Torah is null and void, like any condition. If I give you this watch, simka on the condition that you run around the block three times so I've made an acquisition and you acquire it and I transfer it to your property and it's yours now and you run around the block three times and it's yours and what happens if you don't run around the block? it's not yours if I give you Torah and I say Torah is on condition it's, condition, it's suspended the Torah the, the says as follows if you abide by what the Torah says which means stopping to learn when you have to then the Torah is Torah and if you don't stop learning because you're too from, your Torah is none and void. Because you've not kept the condition that's required of it. Are you all following me? Let's go back to our Yibishval situation. So now I'm the type of person that we are now involved in the conversation. My obligation now is the mitzvah of speaking to you, Spencer. If I'm so from, that I can't speak to you because I'm learning. What has happened is I've had to have stopped learning to speak to you because I can't do both of them at the same time. And instead, I've continued learning. Ironically, my learning's worthless. How counterintuitive! How fascinating! How sometimes, from kind is Religiosity is crookedness. Sounds better in English. You're following me? It's amazing. So, if you don't know you're my drager and you try to be too frum, you'll land up so crum. If you try to be too holy, you'll land up solid and <coughs> tainted. Therefore, back to you, Berkowitz. Of course, the job of every able bodied Jewish man, the basis. The default of his being is his constant thirst and striving for a completion in his knowledge of Torah. but every single person, depending on where he's placed in his own personal situation with his history, geography, and psychology, has a set of things which are e f shasso they're impossible to be done by other people, and if he doesn't go ahead and do them so the irony is that the Torah that he learns while avoiding his obligation becomes worthless because of it so therefore when i say that it's the obligation of every able-bodied jewish man his purpose in this world is to study Torah that's 100% true but that by no means means that every single person is meant to be encodal because every single person dependent on the things that no one else can do but him Will either increase or decrease his learning time and his devotion to it. And if he doesn't do what he's meant to do, so then his perhaps what he may interpret super frumkite is in fact super crumkite. Krumkite? Crookedness. A question from Josh Bennett. So we say, so we're saying Who's we, 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 pal? Please. You. Okay, thank you. Uh, the negative <laughs> aspect is when you're learning. You should be doing, you're actually bustling two things. You're bustling the Torah that you're actually learning, and you're bustling the thing that you should be doing. Absolutely. When you say the hoifeh, if you're actually doing what you should be doing, it says if you get the scar for learning in that time. Absolutely. You get the scar for Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what Rashi says in Mamachus. Why well, you get the scar for learning? Okay. So now that's even more complicated, Cheshpen. Do you have the brain power for it? Yes. Good! <laughs> <laughs> There's a principle in the Torah. When you engage in one mitzvah, you don't stop doing it to do another. What is the greatest of all mitzvahs, Kalman? Talmud, Talmud Torah. Is it possible that if in putting on tefillin, and there's another mitzvah to do, you're exempt from it because you're putting on tefillin. If you're burying a dead person, you're exempt from saying, the mitzvah of Krishna. Because... One mitzvah, if you're engaged in, engaged in it, exempts you from all other mitzvahs. And yet, when it comes to Talmud Torah, you can just stop, to stop it to do anything? Does that make sense to you, big boy? No! No! Comes along Rav hutna and says a very logical Chiddush. He says that since a stipulation of Torah is that when you stop learning it to do something that you have to do, that's what brings your Torah to come into being because by keeping the condition your Torah is now valid by stopping to learn you now create your learning by doing the mitzvah that's impossible to be done by others since Torah was given in such a way you actually are creating your Torah thus the status of the mitzvah that you stop doing Torah to do has the same weight and value as the study of Torah itself so why go learning therefore so therefore, for a person who in his world it's impossible for him there's no one else that can do his daily work so for him he's perfectly it's as if he's learning the whole day it 's as if he's learning the whole day says Rafutna a consequence of this understanding that's why because Torah is structured in such a way that the thing which keeps it up that maintains it has got the same status as it the not learning becomes as valuable as learning because that's what makes the learning into learning so to someone that facilitates the study of Torah has the same status as a person studying it himself and that's why the G'mon Soita says that a wife who encourages and pushes her husband to learn she doesn't get the w- reward of encouraging someone to learn. She gets the reward of learning. Because she's what's holding up the Torah. That's why Yisokhar, who's supported by Zvulun, Zvulun. It's as if he's learning the whole time as well, because his support facilitates a Torah. Any facilitator of Torah has got the status of Torah itself, as opposed to mitzvahs. If I support someone putting on tefillin, and because of me he puts it on, I get a reward for supporting someone's tefillin. I don't get the reward for putting on tefillin. If I support someone in learning, I get the Torah. I literally get the Torah, and that means I have to choo- choose very carefully who I support in learning. If I support a person that knows shas, I get shas. And that's why just as a practical guidance to people that because they can't but going to the working world and they'll have an income, choose very carefully a budding Talmud Chochem that's going to become a genius in Torah to support and that Torah is yours then you do put a price on the value of his Torah no. if you offer to buy him like in a, pa- in a, sh- is a you're not putting in a price on his Torah you're facilitating the fact that he can study but then he's selling you his portion because if he's giving you half the, ward, the ward okay, who gets if he gets half and you get half he gets all and you get all it does basically he's selling, but either way he's selling his he's not portion. selling it he's allowing himself a means of continuing in the study of Torah and you are the facilitator so whenever anything keeps up the Torah there's a the status of Torah itself and that's why it's possible to stop learning to do a mitzvah because you're not stopping to learn. And therefore, the principle of Oisip Mitzvah, Mitzvah, of course, exists by Talmud Torah. If there's any other mitzvah that comes in the way of Talmud Torah that you can be done by others, you of course, you can't stop learning to do it. So this transforms us, and of course it gives us a new insight into a different question which the Gemara in Brochus puts across and Tosis Paskin's on, and you ask the question, Tosus says, why is it that we make the Bruch of Torah in the morning, and it may be that we don't learn until later in the afternoon, and yet it's not considered as if there's a gap between those two times? Mm. The answer is, as we've said, that since everything you do in between is because no one else can do what you're doing, so therefore it's all learning Torah and there's no Hefsek involved. This of, course, this, of course, is based on the fact that what you're doing in between <laughs> is vital and can only be done by you. If, of course, you decide that you want to use the time away from learning to watch a Knicks game, have no idea what sport they play, but I'm so but I mean sorry, sorry, not next. Sorry, Josh. Some things <laughs> facilitate to your toward learning that's not necessarily new to you. That, facilita- that, that might, for some certain person out there, that might facilitate toward learning. I I don't know what you're talking about. I'm thinking. Some people they need to online. They need you. So use that means. Stuff, uh, so that means. So that, that means. Absolutely. So in other words, and no one else can do that. And no one else can do that. Anything that you need to do that no one else can do. For example. Relax, chill out. It could be for some people watching an Eagles game. (laughs) How's that for wide American knowledge? (laughs) Watching the Cubs play (laughs) basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Hey? How's that, eh? Watching the Yankees play ice hockey. For six hours a day if you need that. (laughs) We have to be honest with ourselves, Jared. We, meaning you. and I think you understand what (laughs) I mean (laughs) 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 So the way we rule halachically is we don't but according to Toysos that's what would come out that if you decided randomly to go do something which was completely unnecessary (laughs) you just went to go watch the dolphins play (laughs) the dolphins play play the eagles correct Watch well, the do Dolphins play the Eagles, why not? It's actually possible. It's Tucker possible, both of <laughs> them playing American football. Okay? <laughs> mm, hey? yeah. Whoa, what a lucky <laughs> guess. Tasha's says a 50% chance of getting it right, right? It's either Boss, Baseball. Uh, Tucker, not 50. Very good. Thank you. Um, so, so that's, you know, not every Buffaloes game is necessary. Buffaloes? <laughs> 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 that's the city. Um, I was, I, was, I was doing so well, eh? <laughs> I was doing so well. Oh. They should be a buffalo, shouldn't they, though? Um, anyway. Uh, so that, that huge, that's huge. Um, mm, that's huge, no? you made like a whole new zach. I agree that the last part of the share was a little bit ethereal, but it's, 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 it's philosophically fundamental. It transports us into the very real place of where we are. Of course, a person to be scrupulous, scrupulously honest with himself. Both ways. If you earn too much on one side and you learn too much, so you can be destroying yourself. If you learn too little you can be destroying yourself. I just feel very gifted that we're that kind of (laughs) living in the knife's age, isn't that inspiring? So relaxing. So much the Australian way of life. Yeah, you know? What we're gonna do today? Dunno. Oh sounds like a great idea. (laughs) Can I come deal with you? Sure. Hey Bruce, what's that? It looks like a cloud. Yeah, a day like this. but strange. Yeah, you're right. What are you doing there? Okay, Rabbi right Isai. So that's really what I would like to say to you today. And um, are there any questions, thoughts, ponderings, feelings of despair and <laughs> or hope? Amen. Can okay. you're done. Fantastic. The end.